Summer is finally mercifully here, Manitoba. If you want to promote your band or your team or your business with some fresh gear this season, check out our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Supporting local business is more important than ever in these tough times. So get a made in Manitoba solution to your screen printing, embroidery, heat press vinyl, and graphic design needs over at divineshirtcompany.ca or on Instagram at Divine Shirts. And tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Um, one of the things I like to do uh, maybe once every month or two is ask people who listen to the show and who follow me on social media for recommendations of which local artists, past and present, they want to hear on the show. And I get a lot of uh, recommendations, and I try to follow up on as many of them as I can. And uh, But every, every time I, I put out a call like that, there's, there's certain people who get recommended, you know, once, twice, three times, four times. Uh, and the guest on this show is someone who's been recommended by kind of a wide range of people. Uh, you know, people who, have, um, who play very different types of music or are interested in different types of things, and your name seems to keep coming up. And I mean, I think that we'll get you to introduce yourself in a minute, but... I've definitely seen your records at local record stores dating back to like, you know, the mid nineties. And, uh, for the longest time I had never actually heard it. I, I have a copy of, uh, I guess it's your first record now, but, um, before we get into that, I think maybe the best way to start is if you do want to introduce yourself and give a bit of background about what it is that you do. I'm Eve Rice. Uh, I made the band Vob Jungle. Um, that's with a V. Uh, some people think it's with a B if they just sort of hear it, but, right. um, yeah, so it's uh, it actually initially started it with Murray Taze. He's a local artist. And when he was finishing university, he didn't have enough time. So I went to it in the 90s with Grace Martini as the interpretive go-go dancer. But it's electronic music uh, with a lot of different influences, I guess. So. Cool. Okay, yeah. I mean, like I have the um, the Zigadig uh, CD. And that's is that your first record? That one came out in the mid-90s, I guess? Yeah, yeah, I, we had cassettes. There are cassettes floating around. So uh, before that, but that was the first CD. Okay, yeah. and that's the one I remember for years seeing it in the local section because I even back then I spent way too much time looking at local music in stores or where I could find it, and I never knew what it was. I was like, is this a, is this a, is this a lounge record? Like <laughs> based on the album cover, you know, what kind of a thing is this? So what? Um, I guess what is the origin of the project as far as making electronic music? Like because that's a fairly early date. You know, nowadays it's not unusual to hear someone has an electronic project, but yeah. if you go back a few decades, it becomes a little less common. So how did you get into that in the first place? Uh, I, I, when I was younger, I, I played the organ or people are obsessed by organs, um, in the late seventies, eighties, I'm really dating myself, but, um, it's, it's all cool. So, um, I was obsessed by sounds. I think I was slightly, uh, I don't know, maybe a little autism, uh, with me. I, I don't know. I just love sounds. Um, and my father had the latest of like, like the most amazing um, hi-fi system. So uh, I would sit with headphones on my head and listen to sounds on records. Okay. Um, my, my father was obsessed by Klaus Wunderlich, who was a big German organist in kind of kitsch. It was always bottom of the, you know, bottom of the, uh, you know, when you shop for it, it would be like, oh yeah, that 
you know, that album. But I love organ sounds. I love beatboxes. They were, I love, I'm obsessed by organs, like yeah. Lowry's, Baldwin's, Yamaha's, Farfisa's. I like all of it. And um, yeah, so I, when I was five years old, I could play, I apparently, I started playing like Beethoven. My parents thought I might be gifted. They'd always say I was gifted, but uh, yeah, it wasn't really my thing, but I, I, I like it. I still think it's cool, but I was obsessed by noises. And my dad brought an organ home. He thought organs were going to change the world. Um, he was obsessed by digital sounds and he loved that it was from japan he says you know the japanese make really great electronics great instruments and i didn't know what my dad was talking about because i was really young but i loved the sounds and as i got older i actually my best friend used to come over and she's like you don't want to open this thing up i said no 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 it has screws on it and we would uh, like unscrew the organ and I'd start changing the sounds in the circuit board because I oh, figured cool. out that it was circuits but I was really young doing it and I could have been electrocuted but I knew don't go near the bottom of the organ because that's all where the main circuitry was there's something scary about it but at the top it looked I would take foil so I didn't know to take a wire you know this is how circuits are made I took electronics as well when I got older so but I would like change sounds and my father said don't change the sounds on the organ but my my father never played the he could he does he's not musical he could tap on the steering wheel to dire straits mostly so but um yeah so i was changing noises and having fun with it and actually i really dug i wanted to do something i thought oh you know it might be cool to perform when i'm older so maybe this is a way to make sounds happen. So do something to the keyboard that no one else does, but you're basically, you know, circuit bending. Yeah. That's it. So, but yeah, so I thought, how do you record something circuit bent? You know, I had to think about that as well. Like, how do I transfer that to a tape recorder? You know, so it was always these little, how do I learn how to do that? You know, so and. Yeah. I like how it goes from, you know, playing Beethoven and then potentially being a gifted uh, child musician to then just <laughs> going right into the, the, the guts of it and figuring out how to how to tweak it and make it make it sound cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I have this obsession with I mean, maybe that's just being, you know, we're all have our thing. We're all our little worlds. So, you know, that's my that was my little world. And I wasn't afraid to break a stereotype like a, a, a girl stereotype yeah. you know being obsessed by that especially at the time because it was awkward like i mean you know i was like i'm you know i was referred i'm she's an artist you know like, it's like it was a really bad thing right it's a pejorative but, uh, artist rather than just yeah a good thing yeah yeah it, exactly so um and i never heard music other than what my father had collected when i was younger so um, you know, until I got, you know, a little older and I saw David Bowie, I saw David Bowie when I think I just turned 13 oh, wow. and, and, um, I thought actually, I didn't know, um, Ziggy Stardust was David Bowie. I had no clue. Uh, cause like, you're so young, you just don't know. And I wasn't really a collector. I just liked sounds. I knew what I liked, but when I saw him, I went, wow like this is different i guess this is what different is to the world like you know you know figuring that out yeah. um and, and i knew about blondie of course you know like i knew about them um i didn't know about the b-52s yet which 
I was really obsessed by. But um, yeah, I really, um, I, I don't know why I was so obsessed by making a different sound, but that was just me. I just felt I like to take little things and create things out of them. I don't care if it's was bought for five cents. I don't care if it was bought for $4,500. It just didn't matter. I knew I could do something with it. So yeah. well, I like, I like how that's kind of the DIY punk aesthetic, despite not necessarily being punk sonically. Right. I mean, it's th that idea of just making something with what you have or what you have access to and, and coming up with something new and, and, and different with it. A absolutely. And, and it, it's, it can be, it's awkward, you know, like I, all I remember, all I had was a tape recorder when I you know, was 12, 13, making, I made a lot of plays with my best friend. She's, she's, she, she's a banker now. And she would, <laughs> we had crazy record cassettes of us making like plays and we took photos of each other. We were, you know, trying to be models. And then, you know, I got really bad acne and braces. I didn't want to model anymore because <laughs> I was going to be a teenager. So it was like always performative. It was always extremely funny to us. Yeah. So it was a way to fill your time because I grew up in St. James in Winnipeg and I didn't know anybody really like her and like, and I, like, it just seemed like I, I can't, I don't relate to anybody. Yeah. That's how I felt at the time. So, but I was also really guarded. I was trying to guard what I was doing. I felt that was a safe way to go, I guess, at the time, but I was so young. So, you know.
what was it like sort of when you when you realized that there was more kind of out there in Winnipeg as far as what the music community was and there were people doing not the same thing as you but but m- things that were a little more out there a little more experimental and uh, like did you feel like you kind of found people um, that you could relate to who were doing other musical things that were maybe more adventurous or more unusual? Well, I had met the Chillis sisters um, who, um, yeah, I was, I worked at a a place, it was called Famous People Players, which I think they still exist. Uh, It's Black Light Light Theater. Um, And it was very popular. So I needed, you know, I got a little job. I was 14. So I was working there and I met Helen, who was doing accounting, but we were the same age, but she's, uh, she was a brainiac. Her parents allowed her to do all the accounting, which was absolutely unbelievable uh, with this company. So, um, because they were part of it. So I talked to her and she was, had black hair and, you know, it's like, wow, she's like really different. I, it sort of seems like someone I might know or something. <laughs> And then I told her, and we became friends. I was really awkward, you know, like you, I I was putting makeup in my ears, like colors. <laughs> she said, you're cool. Like, you know, my sister wants to model too or something. I don't know. And then she said, and I, I said, come to my like house. She says, you make like you have a keyboard, da, 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 da. Um, and I, she came over. She says, oh, my God, my sister could sing. And you could play the keyboard. She goes, this is amazing. Like, she really liked it. Yeah. So we made an electronic band called Just Ducky. And that was my first thing. It's on that album, Don't Worry About a Thing, Mr. came out in, um, I think it was 86, 85, okay. Okay. Anyways, um, there, I have copy, well, one copy. Ken Gregory has all the rest of them. But, um yeah, until we did that, we realized like they had, they were collecting music more than me even. So I said, oh, I really like this. And then I, I'd heard of Nina Hagen. I started to see things slowly on television because Winnipeg was a kind of difficult, like, yeah. there wasn't, you know, where do you listen to anything? Everything was hip and cool. It was in America and it was in the in britain i don't know and i loved uh, music from all over the world like if i heard certain beats i love bossa nova music yeah, i love yeah. all that so uh yeah so we started uh doing our thing and i met her sister georgia who was like almost like a yeah a con like a low very low octave her voice and i went this is kind of cool. We made up songs. And I remember making my first song, which was called the duck song. I don't know. We just talked about, we thought it was English and she's, they're Greek and, and Georgia would sing in an English accent. We <laughs> thought that was important. So um, we made an album. Uh, I don't know if you like, you're younger than me, but uh, there was a place called the fatty angel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was on main street and actually Ted loved just ducky like we were there was no band like us i guess you know around oh uh, i we there really wasn't and he really wanted to record us so we actually there's a cassette called the pond and it's around and it's it's like we're on speed like every <laughs> single song there's he recorded us on a four track uh tia um Tascam. yeah yeah and actually it's pretty wild like for what we did i i but we were it was like fun like 
we just let's make songs about our dreams and just ridiculous crazy stuff and um yeah so that was the earliest so we ended up opening for severed heads and uh skinny puppy oh wow that's yeah and that was at the franco manitoban center we did the first rock against racism in winnipeg i think there were ones earlier maybe there were ones earlier i think but that was a big deal for us that was a big fail though i the lights came on there were no leds so the lights came on and i couldn't see the red readout on the keyboard <laughs> so everything was out of sync so i just put the drum machine on and people were like Ugh. and i think john kendall was working at ckuw at the time and he he did an article and he put just ducky just yucky because we were like you were just standing there looking cool but you know i was you know crying because it wasn't <laughs> just right yeah. Um, so that was really, really funny to us. And, uh, but we were happening, like we thought, well, we thought we were happening. Um, there was only so much we could do in Winnipeg and then we were going to move to Toronto. Um, and then I, I didn't go, I actually just had it. I just felt it was a, a lot and I didn't get to say goodbye to my dog. I had a little Pekingese and my family, there's family disruption, you right. know, you, you know, so it was kind of that. But again, as time progressed, I listened mostly to CBC. And what else did I listen to? I, I There's a point when I even, you know, was uh, listening to CFRW or KY58. And I would re request bands. I wanted to hear what I was listening to. I thought, well, this is really cool shit. Like, all the music I listen to is great because you're in your own world. Of course, yeah. Um, listening to this stuff. And um, I remember phoning in, actually, I believe it was CFRW. And I'd always say B-52s. Or I'd say Devo. Yeah. Or I'd say the Go-Go's. And it was like always. And I remember phoning one day because also there were contests like you kind of try to win something or whatever right that's what people used to do and that still happens and they said we don't play that weird music anymore and i've <laughs> hung up on it and then i didn't hear this music on really any stations anymore it became madonna who i did not like in the beginning because i yeah. thought well that's not all electronic like or, or that's not purist or whatever i thought i love madonna now because i think she worked her ass off it's it's a very intense being in the music scene is intense you're you know you're you're being you know looked at you know head to toe and you know being a, a woman like you're you know it's it, that's how it was then and it was intense like there was intensity to it and it was you know, we really want to push what we were doing. But again, I, I needed to establish myself before I could go to Toronto. And when I ended up not going there to do Just Ducky. Um, so that's kind of what happened in those early years anyways. Well, so. I always find that kind of era of Winnipeg music fascinating because I didn't start going to shows, like like you said, I'm a bit younger until about 95 or so. So there's all these bands that I've heard of and that whole kind of scene that predates me that is always so interesting to hear about because like a lot of it isn't, documented in the way things are now right you get bands that came out yeah. last year and they've taped every practice and they uh, there's instagram and all this shit everywhere and everything is like completely documented down to the second but there's so much stuff that just got lost because people didn't have access to video cameras or or the ability to tape a show or or you know they ran out of film in their camera or whatever and yeah there's, there's so much cool stuff that is unfortunately because of technology just just 
unless you have a tape or unless you found a, you know, someone gave you a copy uh, that, that was sitting in a basement for the past 20 years, like it's, it's just gone, right? Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's funny, some people like, I mean, Ted, Ted Afanasyev, who had Fat Angel, has a lot of stuff on beta. He even has much music, total beautiful library of stuff. Yeah. He's very, a real archivist, not like me. Like, I mean, I archive things, but I put them in a box and put them away, but it was just very clean. So there are, there are nuggets. Um, Daniel Barrow's um, uh, Winnipeg Babysitter, which was um, a, 
about Videon, like, the, yeah. you know, uh, local, local access television, which is kind of Shaw, but Shaw is kind of the local version of that. Anyways, yeah, the DVD right? came out a few years back, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm on that. And then we're, there's another, now it's going to be on Blu-ray because it went to Paris. It did very well. Uh, like in general, I was like, wow, like that's really good, Daniel. And now he's, Daniel and Damien Furland, uh, they're going to be doing uh, a thing about me now. So mm-hmm. I was like, that sounds cool. Like, that'd be great. Like, that'd be fun. And um, yeah, so that, um, there's archives of video on men and, and you know, SCTV, I'm sure. Um, it, it, Videon had a lot of, it, it's a lot of, like, I think people traveling would get ideas from local access television because there was, you know, in Toronto, Vancouver, wherever. Yeah. But it really had a Winnipeg feel to it, some of it, especially Molly Earl. If you ever saw Molly Earl, the older lady who's an artist, uh, has a, on, on SCTV called her, and she called it Crazy Crafts. And she, it reminded me of it the ex- identical show in Winnipeg, this older lady, she's making little art and stuff. And it was really, really funny because she was so sweet and she's making a wishing well. And it's yeah, just yeah. like, I, I don't know, it's, there's something so endearing about the first stuff that now I feel sometimes people might laugh at. But the funny thing is styles come out of the weirdest things, musically or visually. Sure. And, I, you know, so I always think, you might be surprised by that, but people sort of like that, like they like the past or they learn from it. And because it wasn't filmed, it has a cheapness to it because it's unfortunate videos used to look cheap. Yeah, now course, you yeah. can make it look like 30 millimeter, right? So it's, yeah, it's incredible. Um, but there is stuff and that Winnipeg babysitter is actually a really good example of what was going on. Like Guy Madden's, it's all of us who, kind of were around but we were on it so guy madden's on it you know everybody kind of was on video or vpw they called it vpw channel 13 yeah, which yeah. is really awesome. really awesome actually but people who were on it and what they were doing what they were up to so it's kind of cool that yeah. is cool well and just to just to jump ahead a bit i mean like i, I could honestly talk about this yeah, stuff all day because yeah. i'm super interested in it yeah. because it predates me but um like you've been doing this now um as Bob jungle for for quite a while, right? I mean, have you stopped? Yeah. Kind of, has it been consistent sort of between when you started doing this on your own to now? Have you been consistently uh, putting out records and, and making music or have there been sort of on and off uh, times? Um, I th- the, the most recent album came out in 2020. Okay. So I, I put on digital media and that's that's a cover up because it, it has kind of a, you know, again, a COVID theme, I suppose. Like it's what's going on. Probably the most serious album I made if it's serious i don't know it's like um and it's all made on an organ uh that was left out in the rain uh technically because uh, i want to do a completely you know just the or an organ like from yeah. this in, from 1985 um but yeah i put out an album my first album was 97 and then it was 2000 2002 2005 and then 2007 and then cover up. And then I became DJ Bikini halfway through there. Right. So there's yeah, a I was going to ask. So what, what is the difference? I mean, uh, what, what separates the two personas, I guess? Um, my friend uh, Leela owned a gallery uh, in downtown Winnipeg called Cream Gallery. And we met through Warren Carther, who's a 
kind of a known artist throughout the world actually and he lives here and okay. we went for dinner and and i i got very fit around that time and i would help her because i was working at kind of a top salon in the exchange because i do hair like part-time i've always worked part-time because i'm a full-time artist okay so um yeah so i was working there and i thought yeah i was building clientele so i said you want me to come in here and like work? She goes, I'll oh, come in here. I'll, I'd love it. I'll pay. Like, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Because it's groovy. And I brought Serge Gainsbourg. I'd bring all these mixes. She says, where the hell do you get all this music? It's really good. And people like it. So I'd bring CDs. And then she just, she said, you should be DJ Bikini and you should wear a girdle <laughs> and you should just play songs here. Like, we'll have a night we do it. And then I met kind of more of the art scene than I knew before. Um, in the city. So that was how DJ Bikini developed. And then I had to make one DJ Bikini album, you know, just to do it. But basically DJ Bikini is me playing other music. Plus I will transition into one of my songs and sing it. Okay. And I, 2010, I, I was the first female to play at Folk Fest. Like, you know, that was pretty cool, but I didn't know if anybody would like, I was so like, I don't know what to think. I've never been to Folk Fest. So, but yeah, I'm kind of proud of the fact that I did that. And it was, I was kind of looming. I would just stand there. I wouldn't get, I'd sometimes go-go dance about a good light and, you know, like some, something like that. Like Harry, I danced in front of Harry Dean Stanton. I'd go-go dance in front of Harry Dean Stanton. But it was like very, it's not like I don't do super suggestive. I just yeah. do 60s. I'm totally into 60s. So Anyways, I've had some fun with DG Bikini for sure. And I did the remix for um, Fred Schneider from the B-52s. And that was for his act, The Superions, because he has this other band. So, um, yeah, I've had some really fun things that have happened through that So as well.
have you always kind of wanted to, I mean, like just what you were saying a few minutes earlier about, you know, the organ that was out in the rain and wanting to, yeah. has that kind of uh, idea of, of wanting to kind of make new and interesting sounds out of things that already exist? Has that always been with you? I mean, it sounds like the circuit bending was that taking something apart and seeing what you can do to it to, to kind of tweak it and make it sound uh, different than it's supposed to. And I mean, you know, a lot of these things that you've done kind of have that, that vibe to them. Has that always been something you've been interested in? In, in Um, I think so. I like, again, I have, you usually go back to some sort of history in your brain pan yeah. somewhere in there. But um, I, I know when I did Pap Rock in 2007, that was like, that was me. I went, wow, like I know how to record properly now. And the earlier albums have a little like they're lo-fi because I made a few mistakes, but actually I don't care at this point. Um, that's part of the charm, right? Pap- that's part of the What's uh, that? that's part of the charm of those is have uh, those old albums where where you you did do it lo-fi. It's kind oh, of a part of the appeal, right? Totally, and and pop rock um, in particular, I wanted it to sound big. Like I've always wanted things to sound big, but I live, you know, I'd perform here and I would tour a bit, and I we never got good sound except that Seventh Street entry. So, like I always felt. People were, we're going to make you sound like a lounge act. And it was like very hippie and uh, it's all groovy. But in the end, I go, I can't hear the drum machine. Like, what's going on? Like, there was always issues. So I really, I was like, how come Bjork sounds so good? And she's using a couple (laughs) things. It sounds great. You know, then I learned, I taught myself, my friend who made Models for Jelly, which is my 2000 release, Steve Falky, did a great job of that album he didn't master it though I, I, I we didn't master it for some reason i don't know why um but yeah like when i did pop rock we um i i it was all my stuff it was all my midi instruments plus my really expensive synth so i was picking and choosing i used an yamaha rs 7000 which was really recent at the time really cool machine with really modern beats mixed with almost an analog sound and i went this actually sounds cool so i i was obsessed by making sounds for it and that album got in the charts like the the college charts and you know i went to festival vite and off festival in quebec and they it went number one like i was like it was really fun but i didn't know how far to take it because i've never had a manager so you know but I'm really proud of that one just because it's like, boom, you know, like that's really cool. So it's fun. Do you sort of foresee yourself continuing this kind of indefinitely? Like, uh, is this something you hope to be doing 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, just continuing to make records and, and, and record things? And I think so. I, I mean, you can make anything on anything. I mean, I've got so many different ways of recording now. Um, I, I, yeah, I think absolutely. And, and DJing a bit too. Um, because it's, it's part of art. Like I'm, I'm a painter as well now. So I've been painting for seven years. I'm with a gallery. I do private shows. That's kind of change getting, you know, I'm getting some moderate interest with it. So I, I, it's been cool. Um, yeah, I can't, uh, I can't really get my head out of being an artist because I, and I don't take it to, I'm an artist and, you know, like I, you know, I'm doing fine. Everything's great. Um, it's something, if I didn't have it, I don't really know how it would exist. I right. really don't. I don't know why I'm so close to it. I have no clue. I love producing things. 
I'm a conceptual artist. I am a concept conceptual um, musician. So if something appeals to me, I love it. But if something's, I've had a lot of people I've worked with too over the years, something little satellite bands. And sometimes I'm so used to doing a stage thing or doing something that it can freak other people out. So I know I can be a bit obsessive, but I'm always like, ah, go be positive, have fun with it. And don't, don't get too worried. I've had, you know, you have, sometimes you have gigs where things don't go yeah. awry and, and it's like, Oh, okay. Well, whatever. I made something like I, I like, that's the most fantastic thing. So, and I didn't, I wanted to go, I, I'm pretty aloof. I don't talk about, you know, even when I went to university, I don't talk about it. Like uh, a lot of people, because I do hair and I only do hair three, I work off hours and I only right. do people I know unless I have a good referral, but they're just friends three days a week. And I have some people that don't know anything about the rest of my life. They're like, oh, so you don't have a lot of hours. And they're kind of obsessed by me. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, I don't want to get into it with them because it's so much explaining to do. And then they kind of, they might look at, I just stick to hair or whatever, but I have really, I have great, nice clients in hair as well. And I have nice people. I've met over the years and um but staying in winnipeg has always been it's it's a little tough to be here but it's a very open city and a yeah. very open city to music and art and i think we're extremely we're becoming a competitive city and i think music can be competitive really it's can be competitive especially now it's still very competitive sure. but depends what were you looking i mean what did i used to do i used to oh a bulletin board says needs theme music Oh, I could do that. And then how did you get that job? Well, I saw it on a piece of paper and a wall. You can't really do that anymore. No, you can't. No. So, you know, so, cause everyone's going to take that job. So, um, but things come up still. So I, that's why I still love it, you know? So, and yeah, and, and yes, other things always kind of bubbling up here and there. And, um, and again, I had, a, you know, fair amount of success with CBC yeah. over the years with David Wisdom for 10 years. He played my stuff off and on. I had a super session. Uh, I did a national television show. My stuff was in a Hollywood movie or in Dawson's Creek. It's like, it's always these things, but you just don't think about it because it's just, you're working. And I worked a lot. Like I played a lot and I'm still going to play again. I haven't played physically live. I did it on on um facebook you know oh, yeah. two years yeah. ago the height of covid but it was didn't look great it was like ah but it was fun but um i am gonna play live I, again regardless so it's it'll be happening again so you know because i i think it's important and it's fun i need to have fun awesome. everyone needs to have fun <laughs> definitely
in your hair. Get back in your hair, babe. Get back in your hair.